Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to yet another in a long string of grand and glorious days in the best little city in America. We're going to spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation that you have come to expect from this fine program on news, politics, entertainment, sports, recreation, all kinds of good stuff going on. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio and here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather and all that. We know there is weather coming. There's always weather coming. You know, the weather never stops. You know what I mean? But there is some disturbing weather coming. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like the sound of it, Dan. Something wicked this way comes, you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's not even that bad. I'm just tired of it. Tired, I tell you. And, I, and I'm a guy who likes to fight back on this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And it's, I'm just... Ooh, your resolve is kind of dwindling Starting there. to dwindle, yeah. My, uh, my resolve to shovel snow is also starting. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I attacked it with great pride. And yes, zeal. the clean driveway status yeah. that you so prefer. Yeah, well, I may have given up on that at this point. <laughs> you know, it's these sort of consistent short little snowfalls that make you just say, eh, you know, the that joy of job well done is given way to shame and regret. There's no no question about that. Thanks for spending some of your precious time with us today through your radio on Information 1000, KSOO, or live streamed at KSOO.com, the audio stream there on our website. Of course, our mobile app, KSOO, the branded mobile app, as we like to say, in the business where you can get this program, all the other KSO programming, and some alerts and all that when you need to get the latest in news and weather. And remember, we're live on Facebook all, almost all the time at this point, and our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. Lots of ways to join in the conversation and find out the latest that's going on in the wonderful world of news and politics. So, Dan, I heard you mention this, and I thought I saw some uh, reference to it or there's another car crashing into a building. That is right? correct. That's going to be coming up on the three, the details of which will be on the 330 newscast. Uh-huh. What? I, what is going on? We must have like more car versus building crashes per capita than any place in this country. Especially over the last three weeks. It's nuts. I, it's today's over on West 12th Street. They, I, some, I don't know what the details are, but somebody ran into the bank over there, right was, into the building. And I, it's a chain reaction. Chain reaction. Someone ran a light and then blasted a car going through the intersection, and then that car ended up in the. But that's that's kind of that's the yeah. way things are going. Well, that building is really close to the street. At some measure, you know, you can see that happening. But sometimes it's buildings like sometimes it's apartment buildings, sometimes it's a house. You know, it's all just random smashing into stuff. Uh, you know, I actually, I remember I covered one of these kinds of things. Uh, it's been a year, a few years now, uh, up on North Cleveland. And there was a report of a car versus building. And for some reason, I was close. So I went by to get a photo and just check up on it. And when I got there, I couldn't see the car. And I'm like, there's people everywhere, but I couldn't, there was no car. I'm like, did they tow the car? I don't, how, where's, where's this incident? You know, I'm not seeing it. Then I saw the car, I realized the car was completely in the apartment building. So it had, I don't know how it had gotten there exactly. I don't remember. It was a, it was on a hill, you know, North Cleveland's a big hill. And somehow the car got loose, went through a window in a basement apartment all the way into the bedroom and was just sitting there completely in the building. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Well, okay, not the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. I've seen a lot of weird things, but it was very odd. And no one was hurt, which was just amazing. And Because it's a bedroom. Somebody could have just been sleeping in there and then squish Ola. You know, you're done. You can imagine how it would be much worse. So weird. Somebody needs to do a study of that, though. I want to see a... Uh, some sort of statistical analysis of car versus structure crashes in Sioux Falls per capita versus other places. Somebody's got to get right on that. That's a big data project for somebody. 
I like the idea. How about that, Dan? You're gonna that seems like something you want to tackle. I don't know. Yeah. That one that one might be a minefield of proportions of which I am not willing to participate. For very little payoff in the end. Because even if we're the highest, what does it mean? Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's just weird. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Bob Sutton of the South Dakota Board of Regents. We are going to continue a discussion we've been having on this program for a while about the proposal to eliminate collective bargaining at the university level and other issues facing higher education in South Dakota, workforce development, all the good stuff that's associated with higher education, because we know that's important. The smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, who will be in for Weird Friends. We're going to talk about Winter Bike to Work today. Winter Bike to Work Day, which is tomorrow, thankfully. You know, couldn't have been today. Actually, it's snowing today, too, so who cares? Carol Nesbitt of the Sioux Falls Catholic School System will preview the upcoming Gift of Hope concert. Gift of Hope. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, beer. Mmm, beer. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Here it is, folks. That time of day when we try and get just a little closer to free with our friends, the Bodines. Oh yeah, and I gotta warn you. I gotta warn you, people. I'm in a bad mood. I'm I'm persnickety today, and I don't feel great. That's And that's not good. That's not good for anybody because when I'm in a bad mood, you know, I don't, I tend not to see the optimism in life. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know how you feel sometimes and that's kind of the way I feel. I think it's the weather. I'm not, you know, it's cold and it's snowing and pressure changes. My sinuses hurt and then I get mad. And when I'm looking at the news and I'm mad, I see stuff like this. So uh, out there in Pierre, we're going to talk about collective bargaining later in the show for universities. But uh, the first step in that conversation, uh, the House State Affairs Committee voted yesterday to send uh, that uh, elimination of, of uh, collective bargaining to the larger floor, the House floor. It hasn't had any action in the Senate yet. Uh, you know, Speaker Mark Mickelson is the is back in this. Says it's his goal to promote the flexibility and nimbleness of the institutions. Really, what it is is he's mad because the uh, faculty at the law school rose up when he wanted to try and move it to Sioux Falls. Which, you know, I I don't disagree with his reasons at some measure for wanting to do that. Uh, but he took a beating over that, and you know now he's. Now he's coming back at him. That's that's pretty clear. Uh, this is this latest action probably not a huge surprise. I remember I, I can't remember the vote. I I don't have that in front of me, but it was close. It was like eight to six or something like that. Uh, normally, the best chance to kill these sorts of things are at the committee level, and there's no guarantee it'll make it anywhere in the Senate. But it's probably destined for a broader discussion. Um, as I've said, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. This will hurt the competitiveness of South Dakota universities. Speaker Mickelson is just plain wrong on this measure, and he seems driven by that uh, snubbing at USD. We'll we'll see. I mean, that's that's my interpretation of it. Interpretation of it. He's he's mentioned that in his testimony. That's when he started thinking about it. Uh, as I said, we'll talk more about this in the second hour with Bob Sutton of the Board of Regents, and maybe you know, Mr. Sutton may see it a completely different way than me. We don't know. We'll see. Um, we had uh, Alan Aldrich, who is the state president of the Council of Higher Education on not that long ago, which is the union. And uh, he was out there testifying, too, so you will be watching that. Um, but here's what's really interesting to me today. So there's this big fight over craft beer, right? You've been watching this. So South Dakota has this arbitrary limit, and a lot of states used to have these. 
a lot of states around us have changed it. Um, so if you're a micro brewer, you can only you can only make five thousand gallons or barrels. I'm sorry, five thousand barrels of beer a year. Uh, and there's an effort underway to allow them to brew thirty thousand. This was forwarded by Governor Dugard, the GWD. Well, there's another part of that that the current law makes these micro, you know, micro brewers. So that in Sioux Falls, you're talking about Fernson. Um, they're they're the biggest producer. You know, there's uh, other breweries in town, but they probably don't they don't brew as much as Fernson, and they don't have distribution deals. They're not sold in all these different places. You know, you can get Fernson Lion Paw on tap in a lot of bars and restaurants in this town. And they now are in Omaha and some different places. And you can buy their cans in um, stores, Hy-Vee, what have you. Mm, beer. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. And so, but they have a distribution deal. That's, how, that's what allows them to sell in these places. Now, they got to pay a cut on that, you know. It's, you know, but that's fine. They've gone through those, those paths, but they want the, they need the limit lifted so they can make more beer. Um, the other, a lot of the smaller breweries don't make as much and they don't have the distribution deals that some of these places that, that they have. Now, I don't know about everybody's business. Hydra has two locations and you can sell your beer in your tap room. So Fernson has a tap room on eighth, uh, Hydra has a tap has a has a facility out uh, in the meadows, and they have a tap room down on Tenth. You know, then there's Remedy and um, you know different monks in these different places that make their own beer and sell their own beer on site. But you should be able to, you'd think, sell beer if you can sell it. You should be able to sell it, right? Well, so there's a couple of bills rolling through the legislature, and. You know, the, the, the people who are pushing back against this are the big distributors because for a long time, they have had a, basically a lock on how this works. And I mean, you can kind of understand why that was and how that works. It, it seems like this should be a no brainer though, until you start learning the details of it. The rules of beer and wine distribution are from another era, essentially, the distributor system has allowed a few companies to keep that stranglehold on the market. And as I said, that's understandable in some measure when you consider how the world used to work versus how things are today. All right. But the world of beer, and to a lesser extent wine, but beer has changed. The system needs to change with it because it's not really working now. I have a friend who at one point owned a restaurant and a small brew pub. They were near each other, but not the same storefront, not the same business. Because they were different names, etc., the law didn't allow my friend to serve beer from the brewery in the restaurant. Think about that. You own a brewery, you own a restaurant, but you can't serve beer from your brewery in your restaurant. Unless you sell it first to the distributor, who then sells it back to you at your restaurant. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That's the kind of ridiculousness that kind of got created. And, you know, no, when the system was created, they didn't envision sort of brew pubs, but it did lock up the market for these companies who had the big distribution deals with the major brewers. And I know why they're fighting it. I totally understand why the distributors are fighting this. Because under the system, it's called the three-tiered system. They can't sell, they can't own restaurants and bars and sell their own stuff, okay? That, so that they're out of that business. It potentially could take a system that in their mind is orderly, a system under which they have thrived for generations and throw a huge chaotic bomb in the middle of it. That's concerning if you're a beer in the beer distribution business. There are companies that traditionally have re represented the biggest brewers in the world, which for all those generations were what the public wanted. That's not true anymore. 
Consumer tastes have changed. It's not that people have quit drinking Miller and Bud and Coors, but they want to try locally brewed products. They like the taste. The tastes are changing. There's an entire market of locally sourced and produced products in the modern world. It's what consumers want. Beer is not unique by any measure. You've seen similar trends across industries from transportation to communication to media. It's called market disruption. It's capitalism. It's good business. It's innovation. One of the twists in the South Dakota story is that a limited number of these companies have a lot of influence. In fact, two Sioux Falls legislators have direct business interests in major distributorships. It's time for reform of the system. Small breweries should be allowed to sell their products to a business without the necessity of a middleman taking a cut. That no longer makes sense. They shouldn't have to abide by an arbitrary cap on production. That's anti-competitive system that stifles innovation. And it's counter to consumer demand. The distributors, just like cab companies, phone companies, newspapers before them, have to adapt or suffer the consequences. They still have a surface service to offer those small brewers, which is distribution. They can work in concert with each other for mutual benefit. Cementing, however, an unfair business advantage in law isn't consistent with the free market, and it'll only limit consumer choice in the long run. A deal is out there. I believe that. I believe this can be properly reformed and modified to everybody's best interests. Let's hope there's enough political will in peer to find that path to a compromise that will benefit beer drinkers across the state. That's the bottom line on today's PNL statement. You can agree or disagree with me via email, Patrick at KSO.com. Like getting your emails. Love talking to you. On our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show or on Facebook Live, we're doing all that simultaneously. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, it's uh, Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist for Weird Friends. Stay tuned on to Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. An old favorite of mine, "London Calling" by the Clash. I, it brings in our next guest for Weird Friends, the smart cyclist Michael Christensen. Michael, thanks for being here today. Happy to be here, Patrick. Uh, it's always great because you get when you can come into the studio. I enjoy it so much more. It is very much more fun. Uh, and I'll tell you, I didn't tell you, I forgot to tell you this when you were coming in. Uh-huh. Well, first of all, um, for you listeners out there wondering, London Calling for the Weird Friends, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, it's because I technical difficulties have caused me to lose my normal music library. Everything but the Clash lost. I, I've got all the Clash. So you'll hear every piece of Clash music that's available to me through normal radio channels on the show today. It's not, it's not a deep library, but right. it, it'll get us through. Can you recover before tomorrow? No. You can recover before Monday, though, maybe? No. Okay. <laughs> I got to wow. start over. I got to start over. I got to go right. do some. There's some purging that has to happen. Just, you know, maintenance. Yes. Maintenance. For, for reasons that are not important for the discussion here. <laughs> but uh, uh, we really, I haven't, I'm in no hurry today. All right. I got, I'm so just I can... full, full disclosure, no guest for the next segment. Oh. Yeah. I can talk I all could, I want. Yeah. I mean, could, if you have to go. The rest of the afternoon. If you have to go, that's fine. I'm just going to keep talking. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Not for the whole day. We have guests for the second hour, okay. very chock full for the second hour, Good. fast moving, highly informative and ener- energetic and entertaining conversation. Just not at 345. Right. I okay. will take a breath and relax then and pace myself. Well, you've got a lot to talk about here, though. Actually, here, we're going to talk first. We're gonna, here's what we're going to do. In the first segment, executive decision just made on the fly. Boom. Uber producer Dan Peters, he's just, we're, we're looking eye to eye here. We're all on the same page, right? First segment here, we're going to talk about winter work today, winter bike to work day, which is huge, huge. And then in the second segment, we're going to completely change topics 
and talk about film. How's that? Film. Film. You should say shift gears. Shift gears and talk about film. film. I love film. You have to go to the cinema. Anyway, so uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. Tomorrow, we Friday the 9th, February 9th, Winter Bike to Work Day. International Winter Bike to Work yes. Day. We did not pick the date. Right. The internationals did. Yes. And I was looking on the Facebooks and saw that you could place your pledge on their website. But, I don't know what their website is, but yeah. I assume Googling the International Bike to Work Winter Bike to Work Day mm-hmm. will get you there. It's a, it's a good idea. And last year, it was like 60 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> this year, um, Michael, uh, things are not going to be as, um, I got, shall we say, uh, uh, inviting. I've got... I got three single-digit things. What's that? Single-digit temperatures. Yep. Single-digit inches of snow. Yep. And single-digit winds. Oh, well. single-digit winds is actually a plus. Yes, particularly when it's snowing. Yes. So this is doable tomorrow. It's doable. Well, then I'm going to do it. That's fine. Okay. The the audience, the possible participants will be cut a little bit (laughs) because it's not going to be 60 degrees. Yeah, but uh, but there's yeah. there's uh, there is reward for your sacrifice if you are out. There are Energizer stations at Flyboy and Flyboy Donuts, which is on Fifty Seventh and Western ish. Yeah, Queen City Bakery downtown on Eighth East Eighth Street, East Bank for the across, cool kids across the street from Eighth and Railroad. Yes, and in yeah, the Frank Building. Stop, stop in there. Get a get a pastry. Get a baked good and a beverage on Fab. Yeah. Fab is encouraging you to ride your bike by doing that. That's a Falls Area bicyclist, uh, of which uh, uh, the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, is the newly installed president, and I am the always trying to get off the board at-large member. We'll get you off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it. But it's a, if you can do it tomorrow, man, you can do it anytime. That's right. I rode uh, a couple nights ago, 13 miles. Really? And in, in the again in the single digit temperatures and I had somebody with me so that helped a lot a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. Neither of us were going to say I'm not neither of us wanted to be the one to say we're not going to do it. So <laughs> off we went. What do you hope to accomplish by uh having International Bike to Work Day? I mean, what's the point? Right? It's winter. Well, yeah. Um for one, it's an international thing so Sioux Falls ought to participate. That's true. Right? Cuz cuz if we don't have it here then we're not going to have it here. And if it's, if it's not us making it happen, then it's not going to be here. Right. Um, but yeah, just an encouraging thing. If somebody decides I can do it, I should try it. Tomorrow can be the day. Then, yeah, sure. You've one, of the, one of the things that people, if you're going to ride, you probably should have your lights on. At right. least some flashies. Just because sometimes when it's snowing or foggy or whatever, we forget because we think, oh, it's daytime. People can see you, right? Yeah. Not no. in the snow. Yeah. So yeah, red blinky. <clears throat> Excuse me, white white light on the front. Yeah, yeah, we can do this. A couple of different things. A flashlight, a couple of flashlights. I actually was on uh, one of the broadcast channels yesterday talking about Winter Bike to Work Day. On the TV. On the TV, had to powder my head. I saw behind the scenes footage of that. Did Did you? A photo. Oh, where did I have not seen this photo <laughs> posted? Oh, it's all over. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the indignities so I nice. suffer being a bald fine. man. It was fine. Okay, good. Yeah, I was on uh, uh, Kello Living yesterday with uh, Tuesday Frankus, and we were talking about when we're doing It was fun. We had a good time. And, uh, you know, I if you can get out, get out. But And here's my, I guess, for everybody else, my uh, uh, plea would be just be careful out there, everybody. Yeah. Drive slow. Look for, it's not just, I mean, one thing to run into another car which is bad enough run somebody over would be horrible so right. be careful everybody got time for one more comment yeah uh facebook group sioux falls bicycle photos is inviting you ride your bike post a photo oh. and there could be rewards there so oh, if nobody rides yeah. it'll be public that oh look three three whole pictures of people riding their bike to work <laughs> But if 20, 25 people do it, then it starts to look kind of nice. Well, there are people, the fat bikers, the enthusiasts who, when it snows, they're out there. It's like, it's the other way around. So I I expect to see plenty of people out riding tomorrow. It's really fun to see those tracks in the snow and know that there's 
people ahead of you and people behind you, and you're not the first one through there. Yeah. And that's that's actually part of the fun, too, of the International Bike Tour. I mean, if you get a couple more tracks out there, it feels good. It feels like you're doing it together because yeah. you know somebody was just through there. It's awesome. Now I'm going to do it. I was starting – I was my resolve was starting to crumble, but you have – rebuilt my enthusiasm for winter bike to work day michael christensen all right we're going to come right back after this short message and we're going to talk about flim film i'm sorry film flim film this is the patrick lally show information 1000 k s o o 346 on the patrick lally show information 1000 k s o o with the clash and rock the casbah You know, that song has gotten better over time. You know, when it first came out in like 82 or whatever, the whole album, the uh, Combat Rock album, people were a little critical of. But when I listen to it now, I kind of like it. I don't know. That song takes me right back to delivering newspapers of all things. Delivering Uh newspapers. You're funny. I could, I could, I could listen. I had my FM transmitter radio and headphones. That was like a new thing. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) That song was awesome. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so this is uh, playing Rock the Casbah because uh, I lost all my other songs. (laughs) It's part of why I'm in kind of a despondent mood. And again, nothing nothing can be done about it. It's just one of those things that happens. But I probably needed to purge it anyway. I probably had a bunch of stuff in there I wasn't using. So I'll have to... uh, I'm getting notes from people, friends. For what to put on it? You, uh, the offers of help. Yes. You know, to I'm, help, help me rebuild. Music. Yeah. I need like a, a, a sound, you know, like a music consultant. Do you? Cause I don't know that you'd end up with as good a collection as you had. I mean, come on, flogging Molly. I know that was good. I mean, you're, you're playing stuff for people who yeah. they probably haven't heard. Well, some of them. Well, haven't. that's my hope. Yeah. You know, that's my hope. Yeah. I may go all local. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I got a note here from my friend Dave. Uh, he's like, uh, who does our, our parodies for me? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He said, I should send you a Dropbox links to a rather extensive folder oh. of songs I cut 30, 60 ring, second ringtones. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yes. Of music. Then, yeah, then oh, I would fun. just have 30, 30, 60 second bumper shots. Yeah. Yeah, send me that. Problem solved. Hey, uh, the other thing you're going to do, uh, Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, one of the reasons I like talking to you is because you're not a, just a one-trick pony here. That's not – you have lots of interests. I do stuff. And th- this weekend is well, uh, pretty exciting. Well, let's start with I'm going on a date. <laughs> with your wife, with I presume. With my wife. <laughs> That's awesome. Of all the lovely, people. The lovely Monique. The lovely Monique. We're heading to the – uh, Cinema Falls presentation of the Oscar-nominated short films. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've done that a number of times. Um, sometimes we miss, but uh, yeah, very nice. It's their most popular, popular uh, uh, event. Uh, event. Yeah, where uh, where you can get you can you can sit in a theater and watch the the five or six animated shorts and the five or six live action shorts. That's on day number one. Um, and then I think I'm on my own for day number two to see the documentary shorts. So much for the date. The uh, date's the, Saturday. The date's Saturday. Oh, okay. I'm on my own Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Two dates in a row. That's too much that's to ask. Lot. Yeah. So it's, uh, where is it? At the Westmall 7 Theaters. Yeah, so you get days. to watch it in a real theater, yeah. which is pretty cool. Back to back. I don't have to search on YouTube and hope they're <laughs> there and search all the other places where it possibly could be. It's just all going to be right there. So the first day is live action and animated shorts. What are we talking about there? What kind of little films are we... Um, I, was, I was perusing the animated ones just to see what was available, and, and I learned that Kobe Bryant, of all people, is nominated for an Oscar. Kobe now, you're Bryant. smart. You knew that, but well, I'm guessing a lot of your other listeners don't. I know just that. got lucky and had heard that. Yes, okay. From another, from somebody who actually does pay attention. Okay, so yeah, he, him, and another person uh, put together a short. It's kind of his ode to basketball. It's called "Dear Basketball," 
and he's retiring and this is I'm sure just some sort of love story of his life in basketball and, and uh, so that that is in the program and then uh, another one that I'm highlighting is revolting rhymes which everybody does this trick but not everybody gets nominated for an Oscar for it the trick is it's the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood telling stories about his acquaintance his acquaintances <laughs> which would be include Snow White Cinderella Jack and the Beanstalk um, really? And so, yeah. Is there a wolf in every one of those? The It's the wolf. As far as I can tell, it's the wolf narrating and telling the story. Oh, I see. So I, I assume the narrator I, I, and then pictures of his friends. Everybody does things. that? That's a thing it's that's a been trick. done? It's a, it's a literary trick. Just right? changing got, the perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, you got your musical Wicked, which is the, what, the Wicked Witch's perspective uh, I on see. I have not Wizard seen of Oz. Yes. Wicked? I didn't see it. Okay. I know it's a music. It's a literary trick. Lots of places do it. I'm going to admit something to you. Yes, sir. Just you. Okay. I can't stand musical theater. (laughs) I try and be open-minded, but I just can't take it. So you didn't make it to Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder at the Pavilion last week. No, and I, God bless them. You know, I know it's cool and all for some people, but Cats, I fell asleep. It's it's all that singing. Uh, I fell asleep during (laughs) Cats, man. Like I, I haven't seen cats. I don't know. Well, first of all, I'm going to warn you. It's long. And it's cats. And it's cats. <laughs> um, that's So that's those are all on Saturday, and then it continues on Sunday, right? Yeah, the documentaries are on Sunday. So Saturday's program is at three from 3.30 to 6.30, and then Sunday's program is the evening, uh, 6.30 to 9.30. And we had uh, Julie Anderson Friesen on the show not so long ago, who is the uh, the Lord and master of cinema falls. And this, uh, this is like you said, their biggest event of the year. I think it sells out. Yeah. So if you don't have tickets, I would look into it. Yeah. You might still be able to get some, it's a big theater, but that's how many, that's how much interest there is in these short films. Right. And yeah, you can get tickets through their, uh, through their website. I don't know when they go off sale. Um, if they're not sold out, they will be available at the door for just $2 more. So stand out front, like a sporting event. I, I need, Anybody need, I need two, need two. Need two. Yeah. Who's got, got one. I need one. Get a little sign. Yeah. See what you could do. And to my knowledge, the documentaries are not as sold out, but oh, I don't okay. know that for sure. So. And how many is it on Sunday? Do you know how many there are? Again, five or six. Oh, okay. So and they're really short. Yeah, um, the the documentaries range from twenty nine minutes to forty minutes. That's pretty cool. So the whole thing is great for short attention span. <laughs> you, you can ch- check your phone between films. If, if you get bored, just wait a minute. You'll yeah. get a new subject. So. That'll be cool. Go to the bathroom and come back. That's right. Um, that's really cool. Well, Michael, thanks for uh, uh, hanging out with me for a little while. Yeah, I appreciate you're it. The smart cyclist uh, Michael Christensen, ladies and gentlemen, um, and have fun. Say hi to Monique for me. I will. And uh, are you guys going to dinner or anything before that? Uh, we have not discussed that. I don't know. Uh, so this is this is a true married date. You really don't know what you're doing. You've just got to block on the calendar. We got it. Yeah, right. Right. The time is on the calendar, plus or minus a couple hours. So. And you're not going, we were discussing, you're not going tonight to the Scott Bradley's postmodern juice box. No. I'm a little surprised by that because usually you know about these things. Yes. That's also at the Pavilion tonight. So your thing's not at the pavilion. My thing's at the pavilion tonight. You are going to that. Tonight. It'll be fun. I hope to see see you all down there. Uh, Michael, thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, I hope you can come back next week and we'll discuss whether or not we rode for International Bike to Work Day. Excellent. All right. We'll do that. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Hey, I just got a uh, text from uh, yesterday's guest, local blogger and city hall watcher Scott Arisman, who says I should remind people, and I should. Mayor's forum tonight at five thirty p.m. at the YPN, sponsored by YPN. And the League of Women Voters, it's at the Museum of Visual Materials. I don't know if all seven candidates are going to be there, but I'm sure some of them will be. It's worth it. 5.30 tonight. uh, Museum for Visual Materials, which is down on Maine. 
Coming up in the second hour, Bob Sutton of the Board of Regents and Carol Nesbitt from the Sioux Falls Catholic School. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Patrick Lally Show continues on Information 1000 KSOO. I'm Dan Peters, and I have the honor this afternoon of talking with Carol Nesbitt. And she is joining us today. Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm doing very well today. Appreciate you coming out on, on this chilly day to talk about the upcoming Gift of Hope concert. Yes. So describe you are from Catholic Family Services, and, and that's the effort that's overarching in this. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the mission that you guys have. Well, I'm a board member from Catholic Family Services, and um, one of the things that we do, what the Catholic Family Ser- Services do, is um, provide counseling to people, Catholics, non-Catholics, people of any faiths, people of any ages. And one of the things that they want to make sure is that cost is never a reason that someone does not seek counseling if they really need it. And so the Gift of Hope concert was started a number of years ago to try to raise funds so that anyone can come. And if they can't pay the full cost or they can't afford any counseling, we will um, help them out. We have a sliding fee scale and so that they can come because you just there's a lot of hurting people in the world and a lot of per- people grieving, you know, great loss. Uh, and so we want to help them. And this concert helps fund. We have a Gift of Hope fund and the proceeds from the concert. We get sponsors so that uh, the concert expenses are all covered. And so the cost of the tickets all goes into that fund and then some. And this is just the local organization's outreach on this? Is this a part of a larger organization through Catholic Family Services? Well, Catholic Family Services is part of the, the Catholic Community Foundation for Eastern South Dakota. We're all under the Catholic Diocese of South Dakota, of Eastern South Dakota, sorry. So all of East River is under the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls. Catholic Family Services works within that diocese and provides those services. And so they're in the same building as the bishop, for example. And then this particular concert, this is the main fundraising arm for this effort? It is. We do it each year, and we try to raise at least $50,000. And so they have many, many, many people who come for marriage counseling, um, divorce, um, unplanned pregnancy, adoption, um, again, grief. They are a center for grief and loss. And so in this whole entire region, there's nothing quite like this center for grieving and loss. And so they help a lot of people who, and even it's interesting because even when they have tragedies, like when the whole family died, um, at the hands of the dad a, f- a few years ago, if you remember Sure, in, in Platt. Right. And so um, some of the counselors, uh, Dr. Marcy Moran and some other staff, went down there and helped the community and helped the first responders get through that. So they do a lot of crisis intervention, or if there's a suicide at a school or a death of a teacher or whatever it might be. So they're called upon to do those things as well as individual and family or couples counseling, but they do a lot of that crisis intervention stuff to help not only the people of whatever community or the people of that school, but also first responders who are also dealing with great loss. Most of them always know the people involved in these things. So um, they just do so many good things. Chronic illness is another one you don't think about, but some people are, are sick and, they, and there isn't medicine to help them feel better in terms of a, maybe it's a, some type of whatever physical condition is, a chronic condition, and so they help them handle that. There's just so many things that they do. It's just incredible. I've had two different people on different occasions tell me that those people at Catholic Family Services saved their life. They were in such a bad place in their life and that they went there and they found healing and found hope. And so. then what, what about even cancer? If, if that is something that people have to deal with and, and they probably have to do it in their own way, that there is probably some outlet for that through for this i think they can help with whatever you're going through if you're struggling it's not a sign of weakness to go get counseling it's a sign of strength to say i need help 
I'm struggling right now. And so, again, there's so many people out there that are hurting that don't have the funds to afford counseling at a traditional counseling place. And Catholic Family Service is open to all people, all faiths, all ages, all walks of life. They don't turn people away because of their inability to pay. And this Gift of Hope concert is one of the reasons they can do that. We're talking with Carol Nesbitt from Catholic Family Services. She's a board member of them. And the concert itself, tell us about all of the The minute details with this. Well, last year we had Mark Schultz, which was so popular. We ended up adding a show and pretty much sold out that one, too. And so we wanted to get someone who was really equally popular and wonderful and incredible. And so we have been so fortunate um, to have it work out that Matt Marr, He's a Christian artist, um, nine-time Grammy nominee. He's received a Dove Award. He's also just yesterday, I think, was nominated. We found out he's nominated for a Juno Award. So he's done some incredible things. He's written songs for Chris Tomlin, for Crowder, Third Day, Matt Redman, Hillsong, and many more Christian artists. But he's incredible as it is. Anyway, nine-time Grammy nominee, and he is coming here. He worked it in his schedule. We had to do a little finagling, but we got it worked out. And the date is Saturday, March 24th, and it's at 7 p.m. at the Harrisburg High School Performing Arts Center. So we're super excited about that. And tickets are available now. Tickets are available now. Um, we have three different levels of tickets. We have general admission is $30. And again, all of this goes to that Gift of Hope Fund to help people because we've covered the cost of the concert. We have um, general admission for 30 We have patron tickets are available. That includes a wonderful reception as well after the concert and reserved seating section. And those are $60 each. And then we have special, special, if you're really a Matt Marr fan, You can get VIP tickets, and that includes a meet and greet with Matt Marr, and also front row seating and the patron reception, and those are $1,000, and you have to get those up at the diocese, the Catholic diocese. Okay. They they, they have to make special accommodations to make sure that Yes, we're going to treat you well if you do those, and that's for the big fans or someone who just really wants to donate to the cause, and so um, they can get them online at CCF. ESD.org, which is Catholic Community Foundation for Eastern South Dakota. So CCFESD.org and click on the Gift of Hope link. They can get the general admission tickets at all Sioux Falls High V locations. And they can get any level by calling the Catholic Community Foundation. And that number is 988 3788. And Matt Marr has been. In the Christian music scene, at least a decade, and, oh, gosh, and has yeah. definitely been. Uh, all, he has also you've had had a previous um, engagement with him. He performed for the anniversary of the diocese. Yeah, the legacy event he did a couple years ago, and he was so well received. We said we've got to bring him back because we just they just loved him. He, he just communicates so well with the audience, has such a great rapport, and um, he has performed for several popes. He's performed at World Youth Day. He's toured with Michael W. Smith. Um, He's just done some incredible things. And some of his top songs, which some people out there, if you listen to Christian music at all, you would know Your Grace is Enough, which is probably one of his biggest songs. Lord, I Need You, Because He Lives, Uh, You Were on the Cross. He's got so many top hits. It's just... um, My personal favorite is Love Will Hold Us Together. Oh, there you go. Yep, yep. He's just got some great ones. So we're super excited, and um, yeah, it's going to be a great, great concert for a really great cause. Anything else for the good of the order that you'd like to mention while we still have you? Get your tickets early because we are not adding a show as we did last year. We will only do one show, and when the tickets sell out, they're gone. That's probably due to his schedule because to be able to accommodate him in this fashion, this is the one-shot deal. It was not easy to get it all worked out for all the details, so we have him for one concert only. Carol Nesbitt from Catholic Family Services, thanks for stopping by today. Thank you, Dan. We'll be back with Patrick Lally in the show on Information 1000 KSOO. 420 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And as promised, we have in studio Mr. Bob Sutton. He is president of the South Dakota Board of Regents. And uh, uh, regular listeners of this program know I have been ranting and raving about the effort to eliminate 
collective bargaining at the university level, which is why we brought initially why we brought Mr. Sutton in and reached out. But there's all kinds of issues that are before the court in terms of higher education. Uh, but first of all, uh, Bob, thanks for coming in. Good afternoon, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Uh, we were just talking about this, but uh, the Board of Regents, uh, you've been a member for how long? Just about five years. Coming up here at the end of April, I will have completed my fifth year of my first uh, six-year term. So I've got one year left, and uh, that will come to a conclusion early May of next year. And then um, whether there's a reappointment or not, my presidency will end mm -hmm. uh, next year in 2019. And it's not a job. It's a uh, it's a uh, just a, a public service uh, appointment, correct? It is. It's an appointment by the governor. And as I mentioned, six six-year terms. There are nine of us on the board, including a full voting student regent, which mm -hmm. is rare um, compared to most other states. But it is not a job, although it uh, it can take up a fair amount of your time. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, uh, how do you um, how do you end up being a regent? What what, what led you to this uh, particular line of service to the state of South Dakota? You know, I had served on several other statewide appointed boards on the South Dakota Housing Development Authority, which is very important to me, the Ellsworth Development Authority, um, governing the area around the Ellsworth uh, Air Force Base in the western part of the state, and others that I had served on over the years. But for me, it was a real passion about what South Dakota looks like 20 or 30 or 40 years from now. Um, the investment in higher education is critical. And when, when there was an appointment to be made, and I expressed interest, what I really focused on was we need to be developing our post-secondary education, public post-secondary education, to prepare South Dakotans for what, what industry will look like and what the workforce needs will be going forward. So for me, it was all about economic development. Other people have different reasons for serving. They may be talking about education curriculum and how it should be delivered and we've got we've got a really good group of people and everyone kind of has a different reason for wanting to serve but the great part is is they all want to serve and and we ask quite a bit of them and what is your real job <laughs> by day um, <laughs> i actually am the executive vice president of human resources for avera health so i work in hr and you've worked in uh, across the state. You've had a lot of jobs. You've been people may know you from different jobs across the state, right? Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I have done several things and had the had the opportunity opportunity to do several things. I was a, a lobbyist and peer for many years in different industries and in association management, including the uh, uh, executive director of the South Dakota Bankers Association, mm -hmm. then spent 10 years doing something that I found really to be a passion of mine, and that was uh, foundation work. So I was doing development work as the president of the South Dakota Community Foundation, very similar to what the good work that uh, Andy Patterson and the folks here at the Sioux Falls Area Community Foundation do, except for the entire rest of the state. Yeah. So drove about 60,000 miles a year and um, and based out of Pierre. So I lived in Pierre for almost 26 years I'm sorry. and made the move to Sioux Falls. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful place and I miss the river every day. Yeah. Um, and we made the move to Sioux Falls a couple of years ago. So that's how you end up being on the Board of Regents. You do everything and you talk to everybody and you meet everybody, right? Yeah, well, one thing that's important is if you if you don't bring a broad perspective, you can get lost very quickly just if, if you're too myopic. And I think my actually broad background has been very beneficial to the discussions on how not just different industries but different parts of the state are impacted by decisions that the Board of Regents and our institutions are making. Uh, you must, your uh, Microsoft calendar, your Outlook calendar must just be a mess, right? I, um, you know, someone said the other day to me, they read something that was posted on a social media site that said, find more things that make you forget your phone. And my phone is my calendar, yeah. and and my phone is my email, and I kind of like that. I just don't know where you can find that many things to forget what's on your phone. So I'm uh, I'm gonna have to work on that a little bit. 
Yeah, you need to disconnect every once in a while, Bob. Yes, you do. Maybe I should start biking. I hear that's big around here. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Tomorrow (laughs) is uh, Winter Bike to Work Day. You got to take a shot. I heard that. I heard your previous guest talking about riding bike to work. I'd be a mess, I'm afraid, (laughs) if I rode my bike to work. Anybody can do it, Bob. Uh, We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and chat more with Bob Sutton, who is the president of the South Dakota Board of Regents, and we're going to get down to the meat of it, the brass tacks. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. All right, we're back at uh, 433 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Very short little uh, 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 technical glitch there. We're just going to move on. We just didn't have music. That's okay, right? You don't need music, do you, Bob Sutton, president of the South Dakota Board of Regents? I thought music was kind of the spice of life. But yeah. We could get by with it for, you know, 10 or 15 seconds of silence is probably good for most people. <laughs> we're going to have, we're going to have spice uh, after the next commercial. I guarantee you. Um, the Bob's here because we want to talk about, we started our conversation and uh, about collective bargaining. There is an effort underway in the South Dakota legislature that uh, uh, Speaker Mickelson, Mark Mickelson from Sioux Falls has a bill to eliminate collective bargaining uh, at the university level. Um, he says it'll make it more nimble. Uh, what does that mean to eliminate collective bargaining at the university level, Bob Sutton? You know, what it means is we negotiate and work with um, two bargaining units on issues of importance, obviously, to them and, and the processes by which they do their jobs. So we work on, on a collective bargaining agreement, as I said, with two units, where we e- each three years, this is negotiated. There's one unit that's faculty at the universities, and there's one smaller unit that is faculty members at the um, South Dakota Special Schools, the mm-hmm. School for the Blind and the School for the Deaf, which many people don't know fall under the um, the, the work that the South Dakota Board by of consti- Regents do. By the Constitution. By the Constitution, yeah. that's correct. Those two, we call them the two special schools, but mm-hmm. um, School for the Blind in Aberdeen and the School for the Deaf here in Sioux Falls. Um, and so what it, what collective bargaining means is we, we sit down every three years and talk about things like tenure, the process for advancement um, for faculty. I mean, all things that maybe when you, when you think about collective bargaining, you might think of different industries and that they're talking about working conditions and the conditions of the facility they're working in is their safety. You know, a lot of those things don't really apply to what we do in higher education. So we, we sit down with our obviously our partners in the delivery of education, um, the faculty. Mm -hmm. And we have conversations and discussions and negotiations on what things they're looking for when it comes to rank and tenure and the things that I mentioned, um, advancement opportunities, how those work so the processes are laid out going forward. That's what we do in the collective bargaining discussions. We're talking with Bob Sutton. He's president of the South Dakota Board of Regents, which oversees the six public universities in South Dakota. Is the union... The, the it's called the Council of Higher Education, COHE. It is the union for these two units. Is it a problem? Are they putting up barriers? Are they causing issues for the state of South Dakota? You know, the faculty, from our perspective, are, are partners of ours. I mean, we work together we, we, to deliver higher education in South Dakota. There certainly is, and, and Speaker, what Speaker Mickelson's bill is, is that there there does not need to be collective bargaining in the in the public um, higher education circles. That ju- just doesn't need to happen. He's he's had other bills in the past that have taken the collective bargaining process out for other um, post secondary education. Well, last year they uh, he had and the governor signed a bill to eliminate collective bargaining for the tech schools. That's correct. They lost that. That's correct. They they lost that opportunity. So. From our perspective, when we get together and have that discussion, and the Board of Regents has not taken a position on this bill because we need to have these discussions with the faculty whether there is collective bargaining or not. If collective bargaining goes away um, and if if uh, House Bill 1199, which is what we're talking about, is successfully goes through the legislative process, it passed through committee yesterday, was not heard on the House floor today, deferred to a later date tomorrow, perhaps. Um, certainly put on the calendar for tomorrow. But that bill passes and it's signed by the governor. Then we will still have discussions with faculty. We, we, we 
need to have discussions with how they will how tenure will be <laughs> applied going forward how we will do things like rank and promotion all of those things how, what the grievance processes are for our our faculty to grieve certain things that they think are are um, grievable if mm -hmm. i can use that term so i mean there's always things that we're going to have to do whether there's technically collective bargaining or not we'll find another process by which those things will need to be addressed in higher education but a problem, I, you know, I, I, we get together every three years. There's things we negotiate. There's things we agree on and disagree on. And then we sit down and say, is there a middle ground? We find a way to have a middle ground and we move forward. It's not like they're threatening to go on strike. That has not been the case. We have not had that historically at all in South Dakota. Now, one of the things that the speaker brought up in the conversation in committee yesterday was, you know, there's however many uh, – employees with the Board of Regents, only uh, like 1,300 of them are potentially covered or are covered by this agreement, but only 122 are dues-paying members. Mm -hmm. Do you, when in your conversations with the faculty, are they, is that some sort of reflection on collective bargaining or the union, or is that just because South Dakota is a right-to-work state and you don't have to pay the dues? I'll be quite frank with you. I've never sat down with faculty members and had the discussion about why don't more of you join your union. That's mm -hmm. just not a conversation I have had. I do. The, those numbers are real. There's about 3,500 that have the opportunity to be part of a bargaining unit. There are about 1,300, as you mentioned, at mm -hmm. the universities that are members of, of that unit for, for university faculty. But I don't, I don't really have an answer for you. I think it's just the work is being done. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the issues being talked about in collective bargaining are going to affect all 1,300 of those people, and a small percentage of that uh, number decide that they want to pay dues to COHI, um, which is uh, which is the union, the mm -hmm. the Council on Higher Education, which is a, a part of an affiliate of the South Dakota Education Association, and that's. That's the dues-paying membership, uh, the organization that they're paying dues to right. or not. That's their decision. That's um, right. That's just how the system works. Uh, how would this, if collective bargaining goes away and it passes, and it's possible, how, what would the effect be on the regents in terms of recruiting? You know, I think that's the one thing was we talked about, as I mentioned, not having a position officially on on speaker mickelson's bill what we still have a position on is that we have a real commitment to en engaging our our faculty so this is a place where people want to come to work mm -hmm. this is a place that our that our institutions are places where people feel like they can be of value they can add value to the future workforce of the state of south dakota so retention and rec recruitment first and retention of our faculty members, given that we struggle to stay competitive from a salary standpoint, gets to be more and more difficult all the time. Um, we, as, as we all know, are not a state that uses our um, limited resources in a wasteful manner. As a matter of fact, we're pretty darn conservative to mm -hmm. when it comes to most things. So we're not able to compete um, with other states when it comes to, to those um, those recruitment and, and retention efforts. Does collect, is collective bargaining going to have an impact on that? We will see if it goes away. We know that it's, that it's difficult right now. Uh, we have great faculty, and, and we have people that have been here many years doing great work. But we want to focus on additional research, research in very innovative ways that's going to build our workforce and build the economy of our region, South Dakota particularly, but our region, We'll, we will see what impact this will have, but we will continue to pay attention to recruitment and retention as a Board of Regents because faculty are our front line in the delivery of higher education. We're going to come right back and talk more with Bob Sutton, president of the South Dakota Board of Regents. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing to chat with Bob Sutton. He's president of the South Dakota Board of Regents, which, of course, is the body that oversees our six public universities and two uh, specialty schools, uh, the, Board of, the School for the Blind, School for the Deaf. Uh, big job. 
Um, we've been chatting about collective bargaining and how it might lo- losing it might affect recruiting. What does so if 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 when I talk about this, what I say is if you start making it more difficult to recruit, it's already hard to recruit. Pretty soon you're you're uh, affecting your quality of education, which to me is a threat to economic development. Do you see that direct line that way? And do you think the legislature does? Well, Patrick, I would tell you that I, I certainly, and I, I know my uh, colleagues on the Board of Regents, see the direct connection between higher education and economic development. There is no question. I think most of us around that table are there because we believe that, uh, that it's going to take a strong post-secondary education system, public, um, and a lot of our privates do great work too, as do the technical institutes, I would tell you. But I think we, we find that that is a strong connection. I think what we need to do is make sure we just remove any barriers that could prohibit us from having the right people um, in the right positions to lead us forward, to teach the workforce of the future. So, you know, as I mentioned, we we talked about this long and hard and, and do not have a position on this specific bill. But there are a few states that don't have collective bargaining, and they have they not have, that many though. No, no, a handful. Yeah. I mean, five states, um, I believe five or six. But that, but that, you can't argue that Virginia doesn't have a pretty solid public education. Um, but they also have some critical mass we don't have. They have population that we don't have. Their economic drivers are other other things other than ours. They're, yes. uh, so so we have to take that. We have to look at demographics. We have to look at that we live in an aging part of the of the country, and that we're not backfilling in. If we're not just proactively thinking about that all the time, we will continue to lose ground. Um, whether that's directly related to collective bargaining or not. In higher education, we need to continue to have that focus. We need to be doing it better, not just the same, not maybe marginally better. We have to be doing it better because we have more ground to make up over time because we're losing population. We're becoming more and more rural, and we need to talk about what that looks like 30 years from now. We're talking with Bob Sutton. He's president of the South Dakota Board of Regents. Are we meeting... I, we are not meeting our work, workforce needs in this state. We know that. That's a big problem. We know that there is a lot of discussion about how perhaps the tech school level is more adept at meeting those workforce needs. How does higher education and the six regential universities play a role in that? And are you meeting the expectation now? That's a fair question and a good one. And I would tell you, I think we are. I also would commend the technical institutes for doing a great job of meeting the workforce needs. Um, I work in HR. We need graduates of every one of the technical institutes every single year to deliver health care in this state, to do, to do lots of different things. So I, I will tell you, they are, they, are, they are working hard to meet those needs as well. And I still think we're falling behind. So it's, it's, we're not meeting the workforce needs because of a couple of things. I, I think we've got a growing segment of our population, and right here in Sioux Falls is a great example. We're going to be, you know, if you listen to Superintendent Maher, and he's certainly right, the percentage of the pop, the minority population in public schools mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls is continuing to grow. We need to better um, educate on what higher education at both the tech school level and at the regental institution level at our public universities looks like so that first-generation college students and first-generation Americans have the opportunity to enter the system and not have barriers. That's a real opportunity. It is a real opportunity. Because the (laughs) demographics of not necessarily race and ethnicity, but the 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 hills and valleys of the demographics in terms of age are not in your favor right now, are they? They are not. One thing we're coming up on is about a run, a string of, and this is South Dakota data, of high school graduate increase. The, the number of, of high school graduates is going to increase for a few years here. We, we know that. We know those numbers. A part of that growth is going to come from a population that has traditionally not attended 
any type of higher education. That's where the opportunity lies. So we need to start talking about the impact that a high, that higher education can have, that attainment of a certification past high school can have on your potential lifetime earnings, your potential quality of life, what impact you have in the workforce, and on the, the quality of life and economic development of our region. And those are all things that are, are real. First generation college students are a real opportunity for us across higher education. Are we doing enough in the, in the public system to encourage innovation? Because we know that economic development at the roots level, at the entrepreneurial level, is innovation at some level. How are you encouraging people to make this a better place in terms of business development? Yeah, a, a couple of things come to mind. The work that the USD Discovery District is doing and, and, and that investment up on the north end of Sioux Falls is real and it's going to be impactful. I mean, it, it's sort of, if, if you invest in it, good things will come and I am confident of that. No different than the South Dakota State University Research Park. There are great things going on when it comes to research and innovation on a lot of different fronts. It may be at SDSU, it may be more of an ag slant, but innovation in ag, the precision ag mm -hmm. work that's going on up at South Dakota State University that Raven just committed a significant gift to, that precision agriculture is cutting edge. That is innovation in an industry that has been innovative for a long time. But people say, oh, how much innovation can there be in agriculture? I'm telling you, the innovation today from where it was 30 years ago, much, much different. I'm far, much farther advanced. And, and SDSU is on the cutting edge of that. USD, when it comes to biomed, when it comes to things that have to do with healthcare-related technologies, uh, they're right there. And so. that's what a lot of the discovery district is supposed to be, right? Absolutely. And don't forget what DSU is doing. Mm -hmm. um, the cyber. cyber. The cyber stuff at DSU and the, and the Beacom Institute and what they're doing there, um, that's on a level with three or four institutions in the entire United States. Um, there's some real innovative things happening and I think will be impactful for many years to come, Patrick. Um, this isn't a fair question because we have a minute, but does the, does the legislature, and I asked this a little bit earlier, understand these connections? Are they supporting higher ed the way they should be? I think it's only, I, I would tell you it's only not a fair question because I think it's unfair sometimes, and I do it as well to lump the legislature together. Mm -hmm. There are certain people in the legislature who are innovative, who want to invest in higher education and want to move this state forward, and they get the workforce challenges. There are others that are not as committed to that. They see the universities and higher education as, um, as a place where perhaps investment doesn't need to be made. Yeah. Bob Sutton, he is president of the South Dakota Board of Regents, and he will be back on this program, I guarantee you. I love the discussion, and we didn't get to near enough, Bob. I really appreciate it coming down. Thanks for having me, Patrick. I appreciate it. We'll finish up here in just a second. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey everybody, don't forget Friday night, that's tomorrow night, Jazz and Blues Society presents Tinsley Ellis, 8 p.m. at the Sioux Falls Orpheum Theater. Tickets start at 37 bucks. sfbj.org for more information on that show. Tinsley Ellis, tomorrow night at the Orpheum. It's a good show, good group, and a fantastic performer. Hey, coming up tomorrow, Joe Hyatt and Dalton Coffee are involved in a local film production companies and they are releasing their feature film poor mama's boy coming up here real soon and we'll talk to both those guys buffalo maiden in theo miller ryan we'll have a good time see you all tomorrow this is the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo